Hello and welcome to another edition of the North Pot Podcast. I am your host, Chicago Fire Editor for Hot Time and Old Time Ruben Tish, and joining me, as always, is RJ. RJ, Gunnersaurus is back. How relieved do you feel? He's back? Yeah. There was a tw- Arsenal, or uh, the Gunnersaurus Twitter account this morning put out a tweet saying Gunnersaurus is back, baby. After their 3-0 loss against Villa? Uh, yes, after their 3-0 loss against Villa. Uh, okay. Dinosaurus is back, and I feel good. Well, good, good uh, for I guess Ozil's finally paid his wages. I guess he's showing off the uh, brand new Gunners Kids Club packs, uh, including there's a... Uh, what do you call those ma- those sleeve mask things? The gators with a face with uh, Gunnersaurus's face on it. That's cute. I kind of want one. I do too. That's that's kind of awesome. Um, overseas. Not awesome is we have come to the end of the Chicago Fire season. Is it really not awesome? I think it's a blessing in disguise. Or for both the fans and the team. I mean, maybe, but I'd still rather them be playing this weekend. This was a team that, you know, like I've always said, they just need to do the bare minimum to make the playoffs, but they don't deserve the playoffs. That's true. Pause. You're really quiet again. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I, I think that they you know, would have embarrassed themselves immensely in the playoffs. And I think it's better off that they didn't make the playoffs. Um, I think, I think that's true, but even so, like for my own personal, like I can deal with a lot of embarrassment, right? Like Tony LaRusso just got, or not just got, but he was indicted for his DUI in February that the White Sox knew about, and they hired him anyway. So I'm sort of used to that sort of thing. Um, but so embarrassment I can handle. Um, but failure of the kind we saw on uh, Sunday is not really something i'm used to or want to get used to if you know what i mean um they it was expected like new york they were playing like a team that wanted to make the playoffs sure but but not like that though not not just not play in a game where you need to play um for the first half, they just kind of, they, they, they weren't, I didn't expect them to not be ready to play. And they were clearly not ready to play. I guess is what I'm saying. Like, I, I expected the result. I said it was going to be a draw, which it almost was. But I also didn't expect them to not really want to be there. And they played like they really didn't want to be there. That was the shocking thing for me. Is that they played like they they didn't want to play. They didn't want to to 
be there and, and, you know, do the things they had to do to win or try to do those things, even if they ended up failing while trying. They just, for the first half of the game, they real aside from like the three goals, which if you think about the three goals they scored in the first half, um, they they were just sort of goals of circumstance. They didn't really try very hard, especially defensively. They 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 just roll over and rolled over and died, which isn't you know something you really expected or wanted to see from the fire. It was just bad. And uh, I, I I leave. I think it was just a combination of just everything leading up to this point. This is where just everything just settled in and collapsed. It was like all the previous games were just building up to that collapse or to that you know mismanagement out there. Sure. Um, I think a lot of it does definitely has to do with that. You know, they 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 really were, um, you know, highlights of everything that had gone wrong this year. Um, defense falling asleep, bad defending on set pieces, giving players you can't give uh too much space, too much space. And the fourth goal was just an absolute brain fart by Miguel Navarro. That, and I'm sorry, Bridget, if you're listening to this, but that like reminded me of uh, Steven Gerrard just slipping and giving the ball to Denman Ball. It was a lot. Oh, in 2016, 2017, whatever oh, that was. Yeah. So I'm sorry, yeah. Bridget, if you're listening to this. Um, and to all our other Liverpool fans who are listening. But um, what, when that happened, I was like, I, I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> it's I've accepted like at that point, you know, I I just accepted that you know the fire is going nowhere. So yeah, that that was bad. Um, it's a shame because I thought that 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 plays what Miguel Navarro is going to be remembered for. But he he had a pretty good year, all things considered, right? Yeah, he did. Like, yeah. So it's a bit of a shame that that play is going to be how Miguel Navarro is, is remembered and, and stuff. But, um, I mean... It was three to three, and the fire were kind of on the front foot at that point. They could have gone to win the game if he doesn't do that, uh, but he did it, and they didn't. So that's bad. Um, something else I want to talk about uh, Sunday's match was yes, they scored three goals, but the lack of finishing that the fire exuded is is was also one of the problems. And I know I, I like I'm the numbers guy, right? Especially on this show, and it's just the two of us. And, and you have to respect the fact that Robert Barrett is second in the Golden Boot race, right? But it wasn't enough for this team to make the playoffs. So you have to sort of think why wasn't it enough, and not only why wasn't it enough, but were his performances really 
that good. No. A majority of his goals were basically at the right place at the right time. Um, it really all boils down to luck, I think. Um, yes, he's a good goal scorer, but you need the tactics around the team to back that up. Sure. I think, well, you know, I'm pretty sure we'll dive into the tactics later or once we, you know, do a rundown of the team. But um, you just got incredibly lucky. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I I mean what I say. It's just pure luck that he managed to be, you know, up in the charts. He didn't do enough to score goals when they needed him to score goals. In in the clutch moments, he wasn't there. Um, and like like we said, you know, twelve goals just wasn't enough, especially if you're the only guy scoring. If you're the only guy scoring on on the team, maybe that's the fault of the team. But you still got to put the ball in the back of the net. You know, every opportunity you get, um, especially coming from the level he came to MLS, you expect more, right? Yeah. I know you don't rate, I don't, you don't rate the French League, but I do. I, I rate them in terms of talent. A, a lot but, of, you can't deny, you know, a lot of talents come out of Liga, but I don't, like, well, so he came from attractive football, and he went to, you know, more so of a pragmatic football approach, and, you know, we're going back to tactics again. Um, I, I don't think Wiki's tactics, you know, particularly suited um, Barrage. Then why sign him? Why make him your marquee signing? Is that because, like, I wonder going back to signing, did they sign him because he was sort of a known quantity in a, a league with some prestige? Or did they sign him because they thought he would have been the best fit for the club? I think they signed him. Because, you know, they, they thought Barrett would have been, you know, the better fit for the club. I don't think, you know, Liga has nothing to do with that. I think they could have, you know, signed any striker out there in Europe or Asia or South America. But um, I I think they they thought Barrett, you know, would have at least performed a little bit better. But, you know, you, you can have the best striker out there, but if you don't have you know, the backing to back that up and, you know, what's the point? That's fair. Um, I just keep thinking back to the Philadelphia game. They should have won even down a player. Uh, I go back to the, the nil-nil draw at FC Cincinnati. Like, if they win that game against the worst team in the league, they make the playoffs. Like just that one game, and they're in. Uh, the Minnesota game they should have won a couple of weeks ago. Um, they 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 should have won at least one more game, and they should have beat the Earthquakes in the tournament. That would have put them over the top. They should have beat 
uh, Vancouver. That would have put them over the top. Uh, I think they said it on the broadcast. The Fire dropped 13 points this season from advantageous positions. You can't do that and expect to be a playoff team. Uh, it's just, it was horrible. And I think that the biggest problem the organization has is trying to figure out how to stop the mental destruction, how to stop the, um, the, the, the concentration lapses. Well, to, to give, you know, the players, you know, some credit, it's not all their fault. They're, they're doing, you know, their best considering, you know, the personnel around them. I think if they had adequate, you know, death in the team, mm-hmm. then it would be so, so much better. Sure. Because, you know, there's little to no rotation in the team. Um, the substitutions that Wiki makes... They're nearly 1-1. There's no, you know... Again, we go back to tactics, but... And that, you know, that goes hand-in-hand with what Wiki was dealt with also. Like, yeah, Wiki's tactics were questionable, but that's because of the players that, you know, were in front of him. I think Mm -hmm. if he had a little bit more death, you know, his tactics would change, and, you know, that would lead to better results. Well, let's, let's talk about where they do have depth. Uh, and that's... We'll start at left back. Um, as we go through transitioning, we're sort of done talking about New York because it was what it was. Fire out of the playoffs. Um, looking at the squad as it exists, uh, left back, I think, is the place where they have the most depth. And I think... I said this on Twitter yesterday. Um, they're going to have to make a move, some moves, because the Fire's uh, salary cap situation is um, it, it's tenuous, right? They've got limited allocation money. They've got limited um, cap space. So they're going to have to make a couple of moves. Uh, left back is probably the easiest because there's so many. You've got Navarro, you've got Bornstein, you've got Guchar, who wasn't healthy this season, and you've got uh, Andre Reynolds. At least one of those players is going to have to move, I think. Um, either for allocation money or in a player swap. Um, going into the offseason, how do you see that situation working itself out? Um, I'm more optimistic this offseason in terms of uh, player movement compared to the previous regime. I think... Um, oh, God, I forgot his name. Um, dang it. George Heinz? Yeah, Heinz. Like the ketchup? Yeah. <laughs> Like the, that's how I remember it from now on. Um, I think he knows the league more, and I think that you know 
he'll get the proper backing. I don't think you know Mansueto's a loser like Hoffman. So I th- sure. I think that this off season will be an exciting off season. And I'm and, you know I'm just saying that just because I I don't have any insider knowledge right now for that. But I'm just saying that because of who who's actually running the club now. So I think um, the fire will address you know a majority of the squad's concerns and um, um yeah have to make some sacrifices such as you know loaning off or selling off some of the homegrown players that you know have started to gain a cult following on you know then so be it yeah the biggest name for me that's got to go is Brant Bronico especially if he wants to get a career um because they have better like like Jimenez and Madron are better than he is. Michael Azar is better than he is. Mauricio Pineda is better than him. If he wants to have a shot at getting a at having a career, he's got to go. With, that's that's name one in my mind. There's already rumors floating around that Azura is um, bound to leave. So okay, so maybe you keep Bronico then, but at the same time, if I'm him and I'm looking at this situation, you gotta try and go find some playing time somewhere. Bronico's gonna end up getting more caps than Logan Paws at the end of his career. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. I mean, yeah, he does need to go somewhere for the benefit of his playing career, but that's just how the fire rolls. Yeah, let's, but I mean... What can you do? You've got, starting-wise, you've got, you know, the best 6-8 tandem in the league in Jimenez and Madron locked up next year. Uh, By the way, uh, Lukas Stojanovic is going to be healthy at some point. There's another central midfielder name that's going to, you know, find their way in. And the other position you have him there for is your emergency right back, and let's be real, he's not a good right back. You know, he's not Matt Polster who could slot in there and play really well. It, that's just not who Brant Bronico is. I don't see a space for Brant Bronico on the roster. Um, let's go to center back real quick and talk about something that's been eating me since it happened. I think Francisco Calvo getting a contract extension it might be the biggest mistake of George Heinz's short tenure. I think it's the biggest mistake he'll ever make. And it might be the first domino in a unhappy, long-suffering fan base calling for the general manager's head. Um, because as has been documented on this show and on our website multiple times, I don't think Francisco Calvo is good enough to play on a championship team, let alone be the captain of a championship team, which is a whole different kettle of fish. Um, I don't think he's good enough. He turns off too much. He makes dumb tackles. His passing's not that good. Um, I think his the pass his man mark yeah the, the pass right, for all the back line, um, with an exception of Seku, which 
has been subpar. It's it's just not Calvo. I th- I think yeah, um, you know you you have to give Calvo flack, but you also have to give the whole back line, you know, the same sort of flack as well. It's just but I, mm-hmm. I mean just on an individual player basis, I actually think that Calvo is the weak link on the back four this season. Lucio Pineda is a rookie playing out of position. That's that's one thing, and that's you know when you know your center back that you hope to be there can't play is is out injured all year, and because of the pandemic you couldn't get Carlos Tehran in when you needed him uh, because of travel restrictions and stuff. So. That side of the central defense pairing kind of gets a pass, especially because Pineda, for a rookie, played really well, all things considered. Uh, but Calvo's just not it defensively. You can't, he can't be the leader on the field. Did he see though? He he loved the league and in interceptions. I saw that he did lead the league in interceptions. That was like the one thing he did well. But I just there there were just too many times where he'd turn the ball over or do something incredibly stupid that led to a goal or a goal scoring opportunity. It was at least twice a game. And you can't do that as the leader. Of, of the team. And it costs the fire a playoff spot. Um, you know, I, I think Calvo's fine. I don't think he's fine as a player. I think he's good depth. And I think right. that's one thing that, you know, Heinz needs to, uh, to address, you know, in the upcoming weeks. But well, I, I think you know we'll we'll see him in a starting position next year. Sadly. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. You're already you're already starting next season with a hand tied your high, behind your back, and Francisco Calvo is the starting center back. Um, I think Johan Koppelhoff is gone, which is a shame. Uh, um, the injury plus I I don't I think his contract's up. Really. Yeah, I think it was, I think he signed a two-year deal in 2019. So I think his deal's up. Um, so I think he's gone. I think I think your starting center back pairing next year is Calva and Tehran, and Tehran, you know, better be the best defensive player since C.J. Brown. Or we're going to be talking about the same things next year. We're going to be talking about um, falling asleep and, you know, shutting off and, and letting goals through because of it. Kapelhoff's contract expires next year. Oh, is it next year? So he is still here for another year. Um, that's good. I don't know if he'll, like, injuries and stuff. I don't know. Maybe you offload him, but like there's there's you know four or five center backs and uh, two spots 
So I don't know. Right back is actually the 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 two problem areas I see for the fire are right back and right wing. I think Shamisal Frankowski is a big disappointment despite the two goals he scored on Sunday. Um he's been very disappointing throughout his entire tenure. I think he should go to Reading in January. I think that would be the best for him and the best for the fire. Um I think the you, you got to start rebuilding that right side of the field. I think Borsekolic is good, but he's not take over he, he's not, you know, elite to use a tired sports phrase. Um and that's going to be a problem I think going into the next year. Um I also think that like I said they they got to find someone to replace Frankowski. Um I think Fabian Herbers was a revelation this year but I also think he's best as a depth piece and not a starter. Uh I think they're going to fo- yeah. I think the Fire are going to find a way to get CJ Sapong to Los Angeles, either the Galaxy or LAFC, so he can be closer to his family. Yeah, his contract um, expire uh, in December. Yeah, so I, I think he's going to LA, which stinks for the team, but for CJ and his family situation, it's probably for the best. So, you know, it's complete. that one is completely understandable. Um. And I love CJ Sapong, but you know his his family situation is you know the the there was the whole thing with the the birth of uh, his child prematurely, and they brought him home, so he missed the end. Of the, the, he basically missed the entire season um, because of that. And I think, especially if COVID restrictions continue, which frankly, we should expect into the next year, then um, it's best for him to be on a team where he can see his family every day. So I think him going to Los Angeles makes a lot of sense um, for him and you know, for the fire to let him go, which means the fire need to bring in at least one more striker, maybe two. Uh, I don't see them bringing Elliot Collier back for obvious reasons. Um, they just they, they need a lot of frontline help. Uh, Aliceta and Mahalovic. That's the other thing. Is Jordi Mahalovic going to Europe? That's the other thing we have to think about. I, I th- well, well, for the answer for that, in my opinion, I think that ship has sailed, at least for the time being. He had his chance, but um, we don't know what happened, but I think he had his chance already. But I, I think it's possible in the future, just not... Um, just not this winter. Just not this winter. Okay. I still think it could... It, it's still a possibility. I feel, still think there's interest there. Um, he played well enough in the second half of the season to earn at least a look from some teams. Um, 
I mean, if he does, I, I hope it's the Bundesliga, or at least um, the second Bundesliga. I think those two leagues would develop would help him with his development into uh, a proper player. I completely agree. Uh, that'd be cool. Um, Anyone would be good for his national team prospects as well, <laughs> which is the other thing. Um, I think that if Mahalovic goes, uh, then you need to find another number 10. Um, and you need to find a right winger. And I still think you need to think about finding another striker. Um, we talked about Robert Barrich and, and you know being second in the Golden Boot race not meaning a whole lot for me. Um, I think that you might need to look for another striker. Uh, yes, I am. I I actually am specifically this time thinking about Mario Balotelli. Uh, I, I uh, or someone like that, a big name who can sell tickets and score goals whenever they want. I I think they shouldn't look for. You know, someone who could sell tickets. I think um, that's that's not going to happen unless if you sign Messi or Ronaldo. Um, as much as I love to spread Balotelli propaganda, I think um, Daniel Sturridge would be the, the better fit. Well, yeah, because you can play Daniel Sturridge out wide as well as up the middle. And Sturridge, if you're listening to this, gambling is legal in the state of Illinois. So, <laughs> Very funny. Uh, but it, like, like pie in the sky dreams, definitely number one with a bullet on my list is, is actually Daniel Sturridge. Um, and I, I, want, I don't think the, I mean the fire, I think the midfield's fine. Maybe they should they could get some death, but I think as it is right now, it is fine. Well, everything's contingent upon whether or not Jordi Mihaljevic gets a call to Europe. If he doesn't, he's your starting number 10 next year. Um, I don't think that's a question. I don't think it's a question that Ignacio Alicera is your starting uh, left winger. I think he's been pretty good. Uh, I think that he, he's obviously a young player and plays like it sometimes. Uh, but his ability to challenge 1v1 uh, is good. His ability to cut inside and find a shot is something that the Fire haven't had since David Akam. And I think that that is a particular skill that will serve better when, you know, they have an uninterrupted season where they could learn how to work together faster. Um, that's the other story this year is everything happens so fast that, you know, take a step back. I think they overperformed this year. Uh, George Heinz only had something like six weeks to get a squad ready for camp. Um, and I think a lot, of, a lot of those were just leftovers from the, you know, Enrod era. Right. I mean, I... So, I think it's both. This pains me to say it, but both you know, both Heinz and and Rods, you know, um, you know, kudos to them for you know building what they could. 
Yeah, like like we said, uh, he was hired shortly before Christmas, and he couldn't really do anything the week of. Uh, so he had like six weeks to build the squad before camp. And then, you know, the first two games, they played pretty well. They hung in there with the defending MLS champions. Uh, and they um, tied a New England Revolution team, which turned out to be pretty good. Uh, and then, you know, COVID happened. And so you sort of had to hit the reset button. Um, and then, you know, wasted opportunities and whatnot during the, the season. Um, but in, in some sense, you can say they overperformed. And in some sense, you can say they underperformed. It's, it it's, was a really strange season. Uh, personally, I think they they did neither. It was to be expected for for me at least. Um, well, I mean, including all of the mistakes and the shooting themselves in the foot and stuff. Yeah, uh, this was a transition period. I don't. I mean, there's rarely any examples out there of you know a team during a transition to to go above and beyond. Um, I had hopes, but you know, like you know, every fire fan out there, you you have hopes in the beginning, and then you quickly realize that you yeah. don't have any hopes. Um, I am hopeful for next season, though. Like, legitimately hopeful. Uh, let's t- yeah let let's talk about next year. What are what are some things that you want to see this off season going into next year? Um. I, I want to see an active transfer, you know, market. I, I want to see, you know, the fire make some moves. I want them to build up that roster, give Wiki his guys, and you know, that, that I think that would be it. I think if Wiki had the depth this year, the fire would do slightly better. And mm-hmm. now that you know they can address all that problems in the upcoming weeks and months. Um, yeah, I have high hopes. Um, I'd like a revised logo. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't we all? <laughs> right. Uh, I, I'd like a red home kit. That's the other thing, is they need to go back to red. on the, Because it, it doesn't look... The, the, the navy home kit just doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to talk about their... Like, I tend to get every fire kit every year, but uh, just don't want to talk about the logo this year. I think that's... Yeah, the, but it's not the, like, the logo... The logo and the colors, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the colors more for me, I think. There's got to be more red. The, this, this team, they're the men in red... The red is a huge part of this club's identity, and uh, it needs to be again. Um, I want that's that's what I want to see outside of the a lot of the outside. I want to see a, a revision of the logo, and I want to see red uh, on the primary kit. I think you can you can move the blue, the navy to the secondary kit. 
and just get rid of the white one altogether. But the primary kit has to be red. Uh, I want to see them bring in specifically. I want to see them bring in another striker. Uh, I want to see them bring in some more attacking help. Uh, and I want to see them bring in um, another goalkeeper because I don't I don't think Kenneth Cronholm is good enough and I think Shuttleworth is a good backup. Uh, so I'd like to see them bring in another goalkeeper uh, and see what happens there. Um, any Anything before we wrap up, is there any sort of overall takeaway for you for for the season no do do you have any sort of you know last wrap up you want to you want to mention um you know for, from a personal point of view i've been hard on them but they've honestly did their best and uh they may have regrets but i'm you know this was a year where, you know, sports shouldn't even be playing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm happy that, you know, they were out there and I'm happy that, you know, they did what they could. Um, yeah. We, we've talked tactics, we've talked, you know, personnel, we've talked, you know, management. But, um, yeah, from, from just a personal point of view, I'm just grateful. So. Yeah, when we look back on 2020 and the history of the Chicago Fire, I think I think it will be remembered more for it being the start of something new and the the rushed, you know, beginning of a new era for the club for better or worse uh, especially obviously with the new logo and stuff but i mean yeah you're right they shouldn't have played at all this season they shouldn't there should not have been soccer there should not have been sports the fact that you know major league baseball and the nba even had seasons this year is kind of astounding to me um and we as a people, as a as a sports, as a as a city, are this this was a year of change, and I think whatever comes next, that we'll sort of forget the fact that they almost missed made the playoffs this year, and that it was a very quick transition, and there's still more to the story that needs to be told. Um, there's still more fire this th- and there could have been more but there wasn't so it's just yeah it's a it's a year in transition and this was terrible and I screwed this up but it is what it is uh that will do it for this season of the north lot if there's any major personnel move We'll be back with some special shows. We'll do, you know, a couple of transfer shows. We'll do a show after the draft, talking about the Fires draft and whether or not they actually take players. 
or trade out of the picks this year. Uh, we will be back also for the mid-season, or the, the mid-off-season you know, uh, preview show around the middle of January-ish. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it for us. Any final things you want to say to everybody before we sign off for a while? Be a good person. Stay safe and enjoy your holidays. Uh, this has been a great privilege to have you join us uh, on your podcast listening devices throughout the year, and we hope to see you next year and do this all over again. For RJ, I'm Ruben. Thank you for listening to the North Lot. We will see you next year. See you guys.